The following is brought to you by Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for December 1st, 2021. We've got that ring, jing, jingling, ding, ding, dingling to political news for you. We are in a winter wonderland for many of us. The temperatures are dropping around the country. And even as the Omicron COVID variant threatens to grinch all of it up. We still roll on with the news. We are going to discuss a article in the New York Times by Nate Cohen. The uh, Times Nate, not the 538 Nate. He tries to square the circle on why the policies that Joe Biden has passed, at least two out of the three of them, are very popular and why he, being the president, continues to sink in the approval ratings. You can also probably draw some of these lines to why Joe Biden is looked at very negatively on the economy, while many of the metrics by which we judge the economy, up to and including low unemployment and higher wages, are up. We discuss that gulf, or maybe even delta. We're also going to get into a, a another story. I mean, really, I mean, I guess this will be le- legislative heavy here today. Joe Manchin signaling that, uh, hey, I, I don't I don't really want to vote for this BBB bill before the end of the year. Remember before when I said that it shouldn't be this year? Well, I kind of meant it. Everything I said, I meant. I mean what I say. I'm Joe Manchin. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, Country Roads, Take Me Home. That's what he's saying about going home for Christmas. Will this bill be dead? How much closer are we to it being a reality? We discuss. And... I know y'all love it when we talk media, so we're going to talk media. Uh, uh, A story that I'm sure will shock so many. Yes, as it turns out, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo was not simply a bystander when it came to the downfall of his brother, Andrew Cuomo, the former governor of New York. Indeed, after they uh, paired up in in uh, some brother comedy throughout the initial onset of COVID, uh, deflecting the fact that Andrew Cuomo was deliberately killing seniors by sending them back to nursing homes, 
while being heralded as the true leader of the nation. Chris Cuomo also, we now find out from reporting by the Washington Post and the Associated Press, was an intimate member of the the Andrew Cuomo war room, berating some of uh, Andrew Cuomo's inner circle for not being as competent as he would like, and indeed taking another step forward, using his own journalistic outlets, sources, both professional and personal, to dig up opposition dirt on some of the women who were accusing his brother of sexual misconduct. Now, in my life, especially on short notice, there's only one man that I know who has not only worked in cable news, but also been the host of his own show in the political realm. And so we get a view from inside that curtain with Andrew Heaton a little bit later. But first. Why, oh, why, oh, why is the reality not the reality? This should be a very simple math equation. Two plus two equals four. America very much enjoyed getting stimulus throughout the pandemic. Direct checks to your bank account. Extra unemployment for those who were forced to be out of a job because of lockdowns. Extra money to help with kids because there was disruptions in their daycare systems. Joe Biden passed that law. In fact, only Democrats voted on the most recent version of COVID stimulus. So big ups to Biden should be a positive thing. Similarly, infrastructure is viewed as very positively. Everybody believes that we should be fixing these roads. Everybody believes that we should be fixing these public transit systems. Everybody believes that we should be fixing these pipes and bridges and ports. Even more so, it's bipartisan. We have continued to see in polling that voters believe that the party should work together. Not everything needs to be a Mexican standoff. And so Joe Biden passed a bipartisan infrastructure bill. One that got votes from both sides of the aisle in the Senate and in the House. That should be a positive way to understand the Biden presidency. And still, if you look at the polling, things like universal pre-K, things like climate change, things like the rest of the priorities of the Build Back Better bill that was passed in the House is indeed popular. That bill is now sitting in the Senate where the Democrats are likely at some point well, maybe not by the end of the year, to pass it. So why 
is Joe Biden's approval numbers teetering in the real clear politics average on the edge of the 30%. Why is he in the low 40s? Or as we like to call it, Trump country. That is what Nate Cohen tries to figure out. And what he comes to the conclusion of in his New York Times piece is that ultimately what voters and and the populace really care about is peace. Legislation is fine as long as things are going well in the day to day. You cannot fix a chaotic situation by a bunch of legislation. I would like to go a little bit further. Number one, starting at the beginning, the COVID bill is not something that Biden was ever going to truly get credit for. And here's why. Trump did it twice. So yes, even though some of the money was more than than the the bipartisan bills that were passed under Trump were, there's there's not going to be a, a expectation that that's something that you did that showed bold leadership. I think that the mood of the country says that that's what you were supposed to do. It's what you still had bipartisan support to do. Maybe not at the same number, but some kind of money was going to come out from the, uh, the, the federal government at the beginning of the year after the election. Some did. That's that. So let's focus on infrastructure. There's a reason why a lot of infrastructure bills have been thought up and died on Capitol Hill. There's a reason why White Houses are oftentimes loathe to spend the kind of political capital that it takes to get them over the hill. And that is because despite their bipartisan popularity, Republicans, Democrats, progressives, conservatives, all want a bridge that won't collapse under them. It's a little remote. It's a little, you know, save for a rainy day. Everybody understands that you should be putting 5% of every paycheck in a savings account, but it's not exactly the most exciting thing to do. Oh, you're happy when the worst happens and you did it, but it's not the same as finding $100 on the street. I don't quite know why the Biden administration would have ever counted on the bipartisan infrastructure bill to be something that would be universally popular. And that's even if, or at least not not popular, exciting, that would drive the number up. And that's if they passed it at the speed that it was initially on. Let's say it gets cooked up in the Senate by Kirsten Sinema and Rob Portman. It gets the vote in the Senate, including cocaine Mitch McConnell. It then goes to the House. And at that point, they had decided that indeed, as they they eventually would, both the BBB bill and the infrastructure bill were delinked. They passed the infrastructure bill. I still don't think it would be that much of a needle mover. Because these things... You know, they're good. They are good policy. I, I think that ultimately you could look back and say, well, look at all the bridges that are named the Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Bridge. 
and say, well, I wonder why that is. Oh, because they passed this big infrastructure bill. That's where you get the credit for it. You don't get the credit for it in the moment because it's not exactly the most exciting thing on the planet. And what I described was a fantasy timetable. That's not what happened. Instead, what happened is that it got to the House and the Democrats did their best to talk about how insufficient the infrastructure bill was. They went on television every day to talk about how this was a good first step, but what we really needed was this other bill. The other bill's what matters. We need to make sure the other bill passes. This is, you know, whatever. We can sit on it. It's not urgent. The fact that their own party sat on it and said, this is not something that needs to get passed, and then just expected for the rest of the country to understand that, oh, well, this is a political gambit that we're playing because Joe Manchin doesn't want to blah, 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 I think was foolhardy. You had to know that you were taking the steam out of this balloon, even if I don't believe that the steam would have been all that worth it. So now it's less than what it would have been before. Which brings us to the Build Back Better bill. Yes, it has passed the House. No, whatever passed the House will not resemble anything that passes the Senate. Yes, the bill will then have to go back to the House and get passed there. No, we have no guarantees that there is any kind of consensus in the Senate. No, we have no guarantees that the progressives will pass what comes out of the Senate in the House. Quite simply, no matter what you poll, for things that might be in the Build Back Better bill, we have no guarantee on what's going to be in it and at what measures it will be funded for. We have no idea if these things will last even a year. We have no idea if by the end of 2022, a Republican majority won't strip out the vast, vast resources that otherwise are being assumed will be part of this bill. So with all that being said, and we are among the most dialed in to this situation, the people listening to my voice, me, you, and everyone we know that we can have these conversations with, if what we know right now is I have no idea what's going to be in this bill and exactly how it's going to affect the average American and when it will affect it. Because, by the way, what we're also glossing over is the fact that passing the bill, assigning the money out, is only the first step. You then got to set up these programs. You got to make sure that the money gets there. There's nothing that would be in the BBB bill that would immediately affect the lives of average Americans. And so while in the abstract, you can say, would you like a ice cream sundae right now? If realistically, your expectation is the next time you will get an ice cream sundae is maybe in a year and a half and it's going to look more like a drippy version of something that came from McDonald's and less like something that came from the gourmet creamery attached to the, you know, posh hotel of your choice. Then, yeah, like I, I, I think we take polling too seriously when it comes to stuff like this. And this brings me to a larger point about legislation. The other day, I went to the LBJ Museum here in Austin. And 
the LBJ Museum is, you know, like all presidential museums, the way that the president would like to be remembered. And so you see a lot of defensiveness about Vietnam and you see maybe a little bit more of a glossing over of, of uh, you know, there's like a little corner of, of, of what happened with Kennedy because LBJ was, was very, uh, very focused on, on LBJ's legacy and not necessarily being tied to Kennedy. Although obviously that was a huge part of his story. We see no mention of Bobby Kennedy, <laughs> except for a news report about him being shot. But what we do see a lot of are his legislative achievements. One after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. Here are the things, the war on poverty, the Great Society, the Voters Rights Act. And while certainly some of these legislative victories are still things that we talk about today, voting rights for sure. Civil rights, for sure. There's a lot of them that, you know, make for a great signing ceremony, but exactly how much did it help? How much did going to war on poverty really affect poverty? Could we say that that was more of a stalemate to a loss in the same way that Vietnam was? How much did the Great Society shape our society, how much greater did it make it? When you live inside a DC bubble, you tend to believe that assigning money toward these problems is fixing them. And certainly for their station in life, it is. They can't go out and actually make the world better. Their job is to direct the fire hose of the American treasury at various problems. But still, the expectation that very dialed-in political people have, including myself, and D.C. people have, is that this kind of stuff, which is certainly their legacy, matters at all to voters. And when we see very kitchen table issues, shortages at stores, Inflation when you can buy something. A disease that in 2021 killed more people than got killed in 2020 when a president got voted out of office for how poorly he handled it. Then I don't really believe that these ideas that are so fiercely debated and have so much time and effort spent on them really resonate. There are street-level problems for which D.C. can't touch. And the things that they can simply fall by the wayside. And it's in that understanding that I believe we can contextualize the fact that Joe Biden's opinion numbers continue to fall. According to multiple reports, uh, saw this in Punchbowl, Bloomberg, and many, many others, Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, is signaling that not only is he not comfortable with stuff that is in the House version of the Build Back Better bill, 
not a surprise. But he is serious about not wanting to vote for this before the end of the year. Now, part of this may or may not be a bit of a moot point because the Democrats have a lot on their plate for the normally, hopefully, sleepy legislative month of December. But because a lot of stuff has piled up while there has been debate over the infrastructure and build back better bills, well, they got a lot to do. And there's not clear paths on how they are going to do it. A lot of this is focused on the Senate, specifically three phases. BBB is the last. So let's start at the first. Funding the government. (laughs) The Democrats haven't done it, and it looks like their solution is going to be to punt it to January. You know, a government shutdown while there is a resurgent COVID wave, while the president of the United States is underwater in his approval ratings, going into a midterms that is likely to be rocky. By the way, the last time that the Democrats got shellacked, 17 House members, representatives resigned before that election. Today, we are up to 18 meaning that the Democrats have seen the writing on the wall. And there's no doubt that shutting down the government while they control all of it would probably be a bad look. So they're not going to do that, but they still don't have (laughs) the wherewithal to actually fund it. So they're going to punt it. Okay, phase two, the debt limit. The debt limit is set to uh, uh, be overrun on December 15th. At which point, the full faith and credit of the United States of America is not something that the government could guarantee. We need to borrow more money so we can pay our bills, and we need to pay our bills so everybody knows that the U.S. pays our bills, and we don't let dumb things like arguments in Congress get in the way with the flow of business. Now... This has already been brought to the brink once. The Republicans believe that since the Democrats want to lock them out of all these other negotiations, well, they can go ahead and lock them out of raising the debt ceiling as well. So why don't you go ahead and do it by yourself? At least that was the idea until Mitch McConnell bailed the Democrats out at the 11th hour. Now, why he did this is still kind of fuzzy. The fact that uh, he has not come out and hardline saber rattled saying that he would definitely force them to raise it by themselves again is another question that you might want to ask. Why is one of the shrewdest players in the game, especially when it comes to senatorial combat, a, a man who knows exactly what his chip stack is? and is not afraid to wield his influence, let's remember that we have three Trump-appointed Supreme Court justices because Mitch McConnell was unafraid of the criticism that it would land him. Why did he bail him out the first time? And why is he not putting the pressure on Schumer to do it this time? It is a question. And McConnell and Schumer have both said that they are talking to each other. Before we get into the BBB, let me ask this question. 
Where the hell is Chuck Schumer? Like he has been totally sidelined from all of the conversation thus far. And I I I I say this to set up where we're going to go with Joe Manchin because Joe Manchin says that he doesn't want to vote for the BBB. Okay. Well, at a certain point, you can call his bluff if you're Chuck Schumer. You can say, look, we're going to vote. We are going to vote on this, and you can either stand in the way of it or at, you know, we can say we're going to vote, and then at the 11th hour, you can demand whatever changes you want to make. But... You know, there's got to be a flow to this. There's got to be a, a, a hold on it. I guess that's that's really been the thing that has surprised me the most, because right now, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, veterans. Right. There is not a legislative problem that these folks have not seen. They have been in D.C. forever. These are three people that will probably have buildings named after them on the Hill after they are gone. They are old hands. And yet, it doesn't seem like things are in any way on any kind of track. It really just seems like we are living press release to press release from Joe Manchin's office. I mean, I guess Kirsten Cinema for a little bit, but she seems satiated now that the infrastructure bill passed. Chuck Schumer should be the guy. Who is directing this? Pelosi at least felt in the middle of the fight between progressives and moderates. Chuck Schumer just seems absent. That's really weird. I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't understand it. I don't get it. There's so much of this. Like, part of me wonders, like, is, is Mitch McConnell caving on this because he genuinely feels that there's nobody at the wheel? And that if he bluffs on this, that we might actually you know, default on our credit. Like, like not because, you know, uh, that that is what the Democrats want to do, but they won't be able to put one foot in front of the other. I kind of wonder. Tis the season to be jolly. Uh, uh, and and to support the show, uh, a happy Hanukkah to everybody. Happy, uh, Merry Christmas. I always like I like to say Merry Christmas. I don't know about but you guys, but like I love it when people are celebrating their own winter holidays, and I, I love those greetings. I love to hear those greetings. I love for uh, 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 Jewish friends to wish me a happy Hanukkah, or folks who celebrate Kwanzaa to say Kwanzaa. Like I don't know, I like it. I just like the season, man. I like everybody giving. I like the sense of charity. I like the sense of of, of of coming together. Boy, I feel rejuvenated after seeing all my family during Thanksgiving. I really did love doing that. And, and I love the fact that you guys allow me to do it. You know, really, I, I loved everything so much that even now that I'm seeing more people, I've now been doing this long enough that people need to get their own private political show when I'm out at, at you know, a, a holiday dinner or a, a little cocktail party or, or Thanksgiving. Like at some point people like, like, Hey, but Hey, but for real, what do you think? 
I get that. I got a lot of, what do you think? And, and like, is that really ever about anything? I got to, you know, narrow it down. It's like, oh, who's going to win in 24? What's happening with the supply chain? What's happening in DC? Like, like you got to narrow it down. Yeah, I, I, yeah, but all that. What do you think? But I get to do it because of you guys. And, and that's what means the most to me. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go so you can get your uh, your bonus content, right? Bonus content on Monday, bonus content on Thursday, the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show. That's what comes out on, uh, you know, the wee hours of Sunday night, early hours of uh, Monday morning. You guys get to know the, the the coda of what's being said on the grand clearinghouse stages of the DC week. And then, of course, the Thursday show is the late edition. The latest news that breaks is discussed on that Thursday bonus episode. So why don't, why don't, why don't you go ahead and head on over there? It's also a great gift. You want to uh, set up a little account for a friend of yours or something like that, a family member? Go ahead and uh, go ahead and do that. Pay for a couple months. I wish Patreon did easier gift subscriptions. Anyway, there we go. Politics, uh, politics, politics for you and yours. You don't have to wait to unwrap it under the Christmas tree. It is there for you each and every week. Uh, resistant to inflation. PX3. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go to support the show. Thank you to all who give. Our guest today is no stranger to the program. He is a former writer on uh, the Fox Business Channel. He is the former host of Something's Off with Andrew Heaton on The Blaze. And it is because he has been in those ecosystems that I had to talk with Andrew Heaton about what we have seen over the past 72 hours with Chris Cuomo. If you are unaware, Chris Cuomo, brother of now deposed Governor Andrew Cuomo, is accused by way of fairly substantive evidence of not only being a sympathetic ear, but also an active participant in his brother's defense, specifically using personal and professional connections to try to dig up dirt on some of the women that were accusing his brother, the governor, of sexual misconduct. Exactly how strange is that? What are the ins and outs of the weird world of political punditry in the visual medium? How different is it than some of the other media realities that we talk about on this program? Well, why don't I stop monologuing and we start talking? Welcome to the show, Heaton. A pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, uh, there's only one person, as I said at the beginning of, of our program, that I know that not only has worked within the larger uh, uh, cable news ecosystem, but then also was the host of his own political talk show for which interacted with with uh, members of the broader body, uh, body politic and that is you so let's let's start here 
uh, when we're talking about the Cuomo well, just stuff. Just to be really clear, nothing surfaced about me, right? No nothing one's yet. no one's mad at me. There's no bodies anybody found in Reston, Virginia. No, no one's no one's claiming anything involving interns. We're all good here, right? Heat and squeaky clean, as far as people know. Squeaky clean, uh, a horse enthusiast, Andrew Heaton is is yeah. still is still to this moment your your reputation both online and off. Yep. Uh, uh, so so let's when we, when we look at, at 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 Chris Cuomo, I guess my first question from your perspective from inside the twenty four hour news ecosystem, uh, how protected of a class is the host of something like what Chris Cuomo does? So he is a primetime block. On 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 the main uh, uh, the, the 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 main channel, like if if you being a writer on Fox Business is at 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 you know X level, how much higher up the rung would let's say his equivalent uh, it like with like Sean Hannity? Gotcha. Okay. Um. So my experience was that you can almost make a distinction between officers and enlisted men. And okay. Talent. Talent is officers. Yeah. And, uh, and and VPs of the company, I guess they would be like admirals in this analogy, right? But there, there's there's like a, a distinct substantial difference between the type of cast that you operate. Uh, if you are off camera, um, you are an enlisted man. You might be like that that old dude on the submarine that everybody looks to for guidance when the torpedoes are coming in. But you're not an officer. Uh, yeah. That that is the people on camera, and um, they they fill their own niche. They're hanging out together in the green room. Uh, and, uh, I, I would say the, the gap between where I was and anybody with their own show was considerable, uh, <laughs> a, a very big gap. And like, and you kind of, you, you like, like, like I worked with Kennedy who's great. We're friends and like, I'm sure she would have protected me and stuff, but it was like, okay, so long as I'm in her entourage, I'm all right. But if, if I'm out and about, don't piss anybody off. But if you all right, yeah. So, so if let's say theoretically at some you know, broader soiree, you were to get so drunk and vomit in Laura Ingram's lap, you would you would be relying on Kennedy using her own whatever sway she might have to do, you know, your, her, her best to protect you. Like, there's nothing you could do. You would be thrown out into the street. The, the good news is I think Kennedy would find that very funny. It <laughs> 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 would would probably do her best to intervene. Uh but yes, I mean, I, I don't recall anybody, I, I don't recall it being like a, like a Russian serfdom situation where, sure. if you, you know, if you looked at someone funny, they'd go, I hate the cut of your jib and they'd like dial six and fire you. I don't think it was quite, you know, that level. Uh, but, but yes, you you were fairly insulated. Uh, Rupert Murdoch threw us a, cause I worked at Fox business for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Rupert Murdoch throw us, threw us a, a Christmas party every year. And the last year I was there, he rented a pier in New York, like a, like a permanently docked ship and just rented yep. it for us and uh, got this giant inflatable snow globe that you could walk in and take pictures inside of and like free booze and free cheese and everything. And I went, I'm going to have two drinks because HR is here and yeah. media relations are here. And if there's two things I fear in life, it's human resources and media yep. relations. And I did not you want to get sloppy. I even had some drinks with media relations. They were like, aren't we, or not media relations, sorry, human resources. They're like, aren't we fun? We're just regular people. And I'm like, yes, you are regular people and fun. Please excuse me. I, Indeed. I'm out of here. That you are so regular. I cannot wait to continue <laughs> to uh, further our personal and professional friendship in the mm -hmm. coming business quarter. Mm -hmm. yes. Ta -ta. I, I too believe that humans are resources, human resources <laughs> department. Okay, goodbye. 
So I, I guess this would be where where I would try to draw comparisons because when you look at what is being alleged with Chris Cuomo, which for those of you who are not up on this, is that he used personal and professional resources to help his brother, who was embattled as governor of New York, to find dirt specifically on women that were accusing him of sexual assault, trying to find rumors or anything mm-hmm. in in their past that they could use in the kind of information war, whether or not he was the one that was going to disseminate it. That is like journalistic. I, like, I, I, have like, to, I, I don't see any way to look at this that does not involve him getting fired. Uh, like, and I don't think CNN could like CNN. I think it was maybe um, three years ago, uh, fired three different journalists because they had reported incorrectly on a story. And yeah. it turned it turned out that they did it because it was a really good scoop and they get to bloody Trump's nose, but it turned out it was wrong. And so CNN, to its credit, fired these three journalists because the the top brass of the time went, listen, we are regardless of what you think about us, we think we're a news organization. Yeah. We we think that we have a commitment to truth and facts. And if somebody is going to cross established ethical norms for journalists, we have to fire them in order to maintain that credibility. And I I see no option for CNN other than to fire him. And I and I say that. I, I think that we can get into the nitty gritty of can you be political while a journalist, which is an yes. interesting conversation. But I, I think that the direct one is if you're using company resources to settle somebody else's score, I mean, like that would that would get you fired in a non-journalistic thing. Like if I if I if I were going through the books of of a company as an accountant and finding bad things about him and then giving them to my brother to help him with his business, that would be illegal. So I I I, I think that Cuomo should absolutely step down and be fired. I think he probably should have stepped down at the point that he was doing prop comedy acts with his brother while yes. we now understand oh that God. he was putting seniors in uh, COVID infected seniors back in nursing homes. I, I don't even uh, need to kill the seniors to be mad at that. That wasn't good comedy. That was just uh, well, like, I it mean, was really before we comedy. even. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think laundering the actual death of old people during COVID mm-hmm. uh, uh, was, was probably the, that was the line for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, but whether or not CNN will, will continue to step uh, a stand by them is, is a different or stand by him is a different story they have done thus far. And I would say to you, the line between the three journalists that got fired is we don't know their names then or now we all know Chris Cuomo's name. Chris Cuomo is somebody that probably has advertisements that are booked throughout, you know, probably the end of the year and next year that, that uh, are there because Chris Cuomo is there. They, yeah. they don't want instability. They want to know yeah. that whatever these ratings that are coming in are going to continue to come in. Mm-hmm. I, and, and if CNN says that I would, I would doff my hat to them. If they went, look, he did something unethical. We should fire him, but he's worth too much money to fire. I'd be like, Hey, <laughs> I actually trust you more now since you were just balls out honest about what you're doing about this transaction. Yeah. That's great. Um, uh, no, I, I think like, I mean, didn't Peter Jennings, like I would actually give more of a pass, uh, that wait, hold on. It wasn't, it wasn't Peter Jennings. Who's the guy that, um, talked Brian about Williams. His, Brian Williams, right. Who, yeah. who, who had a, like had, had, had like, uh, um, uh, not insurrection himself. He'd, uh, what's that film where you go into a person's dream? Oh, inception. He'd inceptioned himself to believe like he believed. That his plane had gone down at, at a at gunfire when he was it turns yeah. out he was like sipping a mojito someplace that he just told the story off and he got fired and he took a break for a couple of years then he came back as a talking head I think yep. Tom Brokaw did the same thing Tom Brokaw actually very similar situation just like hated George W Bush 
Mouse no, Dan Rather. Dan Rather, Dan Rather, you're thinking. Oh, man. Dan I'm, Rather. I'm, I'm sloppy today with all That's my fine. Admins. That's fine. Now, yeah. you, you want to know what? If there's one thing that I think we can all understand that you should be lax on is understanding which gigantic Easter Island head that yes, spews the you. news is which. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but same thing happened to Dan, Dan, Dan Rather, who'd been like the new Walter Cronkite. He, he uh, re- factually or uh, factually incorrectly reported on George W. Bush had to step down and then kind of resurface as a pundit. And this is this is the recycling system, by the way. Yes. Is when you when you fall as a journalist, where you're an actual proper capital J journalist who yeah. claims to be objective, you get recycled as a pundit. And you no longer have to have the pretense. Although they still dress and sound like they're newsmen. Yep. Uh, but they but they did. And that's what should happen to Cuomo. Because I I'm fairly confident, I'm just gonna guess here. I feel that Chris Cuomo probably has some political opinions. I do not get the impression looking at him that he is actually an objective uh, just straight down the pike guy. I think he's got an, an active interest, as most people do. And if he is going to be acting on that in his capacity as a journalist, and he is going to be using the resources of a major network to help his brother, who is governor, smack down women, yep. then he needs to back out and become a pundit, become an activist, quit pretending to be a broadcaster. Yeah, I mean... One might argue that he's in the slot that you would recycle a newsman into, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the 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 nine o'clock slot on twenty four hour cable news again is like that's where uh, uh, Maddow is. That's where Hannity yeah. is. So Good it's point. like okay, he's well, in that, kind of in that there. case, then he needs to get kicked out of there, wait two years, and then come back at NBC. There like we that, go. That, 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 yeah. There needs to be some kind of shuffle operation on this one. Uh, all right, now. I'm, Heaton, I'm going to get, it's going to get gross here because I'm going to kick over the manhole cover. I'm going to descend in the sewer and I will now be the devil's advocate for why he should not leave. Wow. Okay. I mean, it sure sounds like you hate women, but go ahead. Uh, I uh, look, we all understand that there is an active battle between good and evil that is red and blue. All right. I'm in the sewer. <laughs> Feces is falling off of me. Like this isn't the Ninja Turtle sewer yep. that has like like lights and running water and everything. This is an actual sewer. Right. I'm I am I am now this wade, is a Cleveland wading. sewer. This is a Cleveland steamer uh, 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 pathway here. So I am uh, nothing but 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 refuse is falling off me. Uh, do you think that Hannity, if he has a chance to benefit his political enemies, uh, or benefit his political allies and hurt his enemies that he's not going to use every personal and professional lever to do it. Why should I be punished as, as Chris Cuomo simply because my brother is a higher achiever than Sean Hannity's <laughs> brother well, or Rachel Manow's brother. Anybody else just because we, I have, a, I have a better brother that's why uh, the the same behavior that everybody else does that's in the slot that I'm doing now, I get punished for it. Yeah. Unfair. Give me, do not even think about pushing me off my show. Well, for, first of all, uh, Morty Hannity's a loser. Uh, he's, he's never <laughs> in for governor. I, 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 Morty, no, Morty, Morty is just right now, Morty's laying on a beanbag, smoking a bog, eating Cheetos. What a, what a layabout, exactly. worthless dude. Uh, you know, you've you've backed me into a corner, Justin. Uh, where, where, in order to be consistent, gosh, I guess I have to be okay with firing Sean Hannity too. Man, what a tough <laughs> day for Heaton. Sean Hannity, and uh, yeah, he should be. I'll tell you why. Um, I, I I think 
you, you get into like, like Sean Hannity was openly stumping for and assisting the president during, I mean, it wasn't that he was giving him favorable coverage. It was that he was an yeah. active part of his campaign apparatus. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I think, uh, like, like that, I mean, it was, it was very, very, very openly that, um, and, and there were multiple people at Fox doing that. I mean, Kimberly Guilfoyle eventually stepped down from Fox because she was basically busy running the Trump empire, but, um, there, there've been a lot of people like that. I don't think that that's okay. So, so I'll, I'll say here, here's the gray line for me. Uh, I, I do want to say if, if you were going to claim to be an objective newsman and I, I, I don't know as much about Chris Cuomo cause I don't watch CNN, but, but I, I, I don't think yeah. I, I, I can say Sean Hannity would not claim that he's a journalist. He he said this multiple times. Yes. Sean, Sean Hannity. He is, he is he is he is a, a effectively a columnist, uh, he, he, a, a he, video he, columnist. He, he purports to be an entertainer. Uh, if, if, yes. Whenever you pen him, he says he's an entertainer. He's not a journalist. Okay, so we'll, we'll give him some yeah. credit there. In fact, if you are around Sean Hannity, just go two, three, four, and he will start <laughs> dancing and singing. Um, if you're going to claim to be an objective journalist, you you are you are going to put on the suit and tie, and you're going to get on camera and claim that you are in the shadow of Walter Cronkite. And that you are just telling it how it is, and blah 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 blah. If you're doing that, you absolutely cannot cross cross this line. You you are not allowed to play yeah. with with politicians. Now I don't know if Cuomo is claiming the same. Does Cuomo claim to be an entertainer? Does he claim to be a journalist? Well, he certainly uh, claimed to be a guy that wanted to do prop comedy with his brother. So yeah, uh, that's true. I, okay, I think, so, think, so well, so, yeah. so so here here's where the, where the where the gray area gets weird for me, and I and I don't quite know how to settle this, Justin. So I, I would love for your input on this. Um, when I was hosting Something's Off with Andrew Heaton, which was a podcast that eventually became the political orphanage that I now host, it was also a TV show. And so I was a television yeah. show host for eight months or so. Um, at one point, uh, I had a congressman contact me. And I, I'm not, I don't have any friends that are congressmen, but I'm friendly with congressmen. Like I can think of three or four congressmen where if we run into each other in an event, which happens, um, we'll, we'll come say hi and, you know, we recognize each other and like, you know, we'll, we'll yuck about something. We'll talk about something. So we're friendly, right? Um, he contacted me and and went, hey, uh, there's a bill coming up tomorrow that I, I really want to put some heat on. I'm trying to organize a, a, a media stink uh, to get on this bill. So tomorrow, if you could do something on your show um, to to make fun of and, and pile onto this bill, that would be great. And I turned him down. I, I thought it was yeah. inappropriate. At the time, the, the, my, my reasoning was, if you want to come on my show as yourself, as a member of Congress, you're welcome to come on. And like, by the way, if anybody listens, and you, to and you, can, Congress, you can clown whatever bill yeah. you want, and I'll, yeah. and I'll talk to you about it, and maybe I'll push back, maybe I'll agree with you. But like right now, I'm I'm low enough on the totem pole. Any member of Congress can come on my show at any time they want, and and I'll have them on yeah. and talk to them about it. That sounds great to me. But you do need to come on, and you need to be representing your interests. I I felt it was it was re I, I like maybe it's not even that I felt unethical. It felt gross to me. As a as a pundit and a media figure that ought to be uh, juxtaposed to politicians to be quietly coordinating one, with one behind the scenes, yeah. I, I I did not think that was appropriate, and so I I didn't do it. Now, conversely, like you know, I do funny stuff with Reason, which is a libertarian outfit. Uh, every year, I just had on Andrew Yang, who I really like, and I I wish the Forward Party best. Like I could see a situation at some point where maybe I like I'm I'm either teaming up with I don't know Ben Sass on some initiative. Or I'm teaming up with Andrew Yang on ranked choice voting or something like that, and and then I would be crossing that line. But I, I feel like at least in that instance, I would be overt about it, and I would be saying, yes, I am now. I'm an entertainer and an activist, and this is what I'm active in. Um, my my big thing is is the 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 crossing between objective journalism and activism. 
but, but even then, I want to throw this out here. Like we were making fun of Cuomo and his yeah. shoddy half-ass vaudeville routine with his brother. Um, yeah. John Oliver, who's far afield from a lot of the names I just mentioned. John Oliver's not yep. of the Ben Sass camp. He's not hanging nope. out with, with uh, Justin Amash or anything like that. To John Oliver's credit, John Oliver doesn't like hanging out at cocktail parties with politicians. And he's said on the record several times that he thinks that he it is his job to be flinging mud at politicians. And that means that he shouldn't be picking a team and hanging out at their cocktail parties, that he, he ought to be yeah. in a combative relationship with them. And I agree with him. I think that ideally that's what you should be doing at all points. I, I get that, you know, I have my opinion, I have my viewpoints, and I, I'm going to go hang out with the neoliberals and all that. But I feel like ideally we as people in the media ought to be a, a bulwark against politicians as a class rather than allying with our specific ones. I, I agree generally that there needs to be that element. I think like th this kind of gets us into a world in which we need to describe what media is. And I do think that there's a lot, especially now when it's been easier than it's ever been to get into the world of media. We don't have the gatekeepers that we need or that, 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 that used to exist rather that we don't need uh, uh, the, the cachet of being at these kind of sacred protected areas are kind of less than they've ever been. Like there needs to be somebody that is drawing that line of like, all right, here's what I do. Here's the rules by which I operate beyond this line. I will not cross flirting with this line is something that I need to be careful and cognizant of. Uh, uh, and certainly that is a line that is fuzzy yeah. in the world of politics where access is king. Uh, uh, you are rewarded for breaking news. You are often rewarded or you are not punished rather for breaking news that has little to no connection to like anything. So you can just say whispers on, on Congress. You know, I mean, we, we've just gone through a two week cycle where Joe Biden is not running for president, despite the fact that Joe Biden continues to say he's going to run for president. <laughs> and there is an invisible primary right now between Buttigieg, Buttigieg and, and Kamala Harris, Kamala, Kamala Harris. Right yeah. now, this is a hundred percent coming from Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg's camp. There's no other place it would come from. It doesn't fall out of the sky. Right. Like, like nobody is presenting this narrative framed like this in any other way, but these two camps. And it's certainly not Biden because he would, he said the opposite. Right. But yet, everybody kind of plays by these rules of like, no one's running these articles saying Pete Buttigieg's press secretary said uh, Kamala Harris sucks and she's really unpopular. Right, and yeah. and when that old corpse finally shuffles out of the building, we'll, we'll finally be able to do run this place the right way. Although that's assuredly what they are, what they are doing. So it's like, it's hard to peel back the layers of like mm -hmm. out and out partisanship, which is what I yeah. think we, we see with Cuomo, whether or not they are brothers. The idea that a pundit that has a large platform is going to advocate for a cause for which he believes in. And there's no doubt to me that Chris Cuomo believes wholeheartedly that Andrew Cuomo is the best leader for New York. He would do whatever he needed to do to make sure that any indiscretions he might have done were swept to the side because his leadership mattered more. Uh, or just the access of, of you scratch my back. Yeah. Right. I, I scratch yours in, in, in the same way that for you, it's like, all right, Hey, you go ahead and, 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 uh, 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 muckrake a little bit about this bill. Thank you for doing that. Now, where can I help you with something yeah. down the road? That's, right. that's how access journalism works. 
Yeah, and there, and there there might be some of that. Like, uh, r- real quick, the, the, there's been two great Babylon Bee headlines that I read last week, which were phenomenal. Uh-huh. The first one was, Kamala Harris is competent at her job and likable, says Jen Psaki for no reason during press conference. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was, uh, White House tells Kamala Harris to quit beginning every phone conversation with, is he dead? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, you know there 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 is like like you're you're right. There is that kind of um, that that uh, th- that that exchange that's happening to some extent. Like um, let's say um, let's say that Andrew Yang, who came on my show uh, a month yeah. ago now, had said, um, you know, I'm I'm really looking to get my book out and I'm really looking to build the forward party out. Is there anybody that you could put me in contact with? I would have been very happy to send yeah. him your way or to send him um, yeah. uh, to other programs and say, yeah, because I, I have access to various, you know, uh, people that I can do that. And I, uh, that, that happens a ton in media where I'll go, when I'm in New York, I'll go hang out with a podcaster friend and we'll, we'll go, we'll just talk about who's been on the show and I'll go, oh, he'd be great. Would you, can I email him? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll, you can, you mention my name. Great, 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 great. So that happens too. Um, I, I think that there are certain ways to do that. I mean, again, I think if you're going to call yourself a journalist, um, you need to have some buffer there. I don't think that that means you have to be openly antagonistic and gladiatorial in all instances. Like uh, um, I talked to Mike Wallace here a couple of years ago who used to, uh, I think he's now retired, but he used to be on 60 Minutes. And um, one of the questions I had for him, because I like, I'm friendly, right? I'm really friendly. I like yeah. people. I've got a lot of friends. Let's say, um, actually, you know what? I can give a great example of this. Uh, <clears throat> I'm from Oklahoma. I have family friends who are our members of Congress. Frank Lucas and Tom Cole have, have known my dad since they were all in the state legislature together. So okay. uh, like, like I, 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 while I don't know them terribly well, I know them pretty well. And that being said, um, I think the farm bill is a horrible crock of crap. And I would, I would advise the people, the good people of Western Oklahoma to select a different congressman rather than Frank Lucas. Um, yeah. Now, it's not personal in that instance, but if I were, let's say for some reason, anybody in Oklahoma gave a crap what I thought about all this, if I was going to give an endorsement out to the Woods County Minutemen Tribune Statesman Chronicler that I was going to endorse whoever it was instead of Frank Lucas, I think it would be perfectly acceptable for me to call Frank and say, hey, man, just so you know, uh, I am going to be running this rather scathing piece about you on Monday. So I'm letting you know to gird your loins yeah. that there's going to be there's going to be some stuff happening. Or same with Tom Cole. Be like, hey, dude, you knew better than to... Uh, vote against the electoral college. You're, you're a PhD in yeah. history, man. I, 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 I'm not endorsing you or voting for you. And I'm, I'm urging everybody not to. And I still, you know, like, I feel I got some moral debt to the guy, uh, is a family friend, but I, I would call him and warn him, but, but you, then you still got to do the thing. You still got to do the thing in the case with Cuomo though. I, uh, this is what we got to come back to here. There's a specific yeah. infraction. We're, we're, okay. we're talking broadly. We're talking flavors. Yeah. We're talking hypotheticals and, and it is gray and it is murky. And I don't know a real clear way to do that. In Cuomo's case, Cuomo is using the proprietal intellectual data of a company, of a private company, and giving it to the government in order to hurt the government's enemies. That's a big yes. deal. That's that's a fundamental yes. difference. That's not Chris Cuomo saying, yeah, I can call up Megan Kelly and get you an interview. This isn't an issue of just exchanging numbers and Rolodex. This is proprietal information being misapplied and given to someone in power to use against his enemies. That's a big deal. That's unethical. And it would be unethical if it were in the, in the, the private sector outside of media. It would be grounds for dismissal. It would be grounds for lawsuits. It would be grounds for criminal action. It should be the same thing for him as a talking head. Well, sure. I mean, and look, uh, 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 
for my money, he shouldn't have been talking about I mean, like, like you have to make a decision early on. If you are Chris Cuomo, you have to say either I am talking about Andrew Cuomo, my brother, or I am not talking about Andrew Cuomo, my brother. And I do think that there is a line that he is then reflexively tried to enforce of like uh, when everything went bad with his brother, he's like, hey, I'm not talking about family. And it's like, ah, we're a little late in the game for you to start pulling that now uh, yeah. uh, after your soft shoe routine. But like uh, uh, <laughs> there is there, there, there is there is definitely a, a argument to say, hey, I, I'm here as a national correspondent. Yes, we are based out of New York. Yes, obviously, I come from a very famous political New York family. That's apparently the only people that uh, uh, CNN hires, considering that their other top talent is a Vanderbilt. But like, there is uh, that's that there is going to be a line that I'm not going to talk about, and that is the the affairs of my brother. When when there is Andrew Cuomo news, I'm going to have somebody else come in and and carry the heavy Which lifting to, to, to for stuff a, like that. A concept from the judiciary, a term that might be applicable, is to recuse yourself. So yes. uh, normally speaking, judges are very reluctant to recuse themselves because as a judge, you have been selected specifically because you can be even-handed and impartial in your yes. judgment. However, uh, if if um, I I get arrested and I wind up in my father's court, that's a situation yeah. where he's like, look, I, I can't like, even I, a paragon of impartiality, cannot claim that I'm going to be doing this in an even-handed, straight manner. Therefore, I'm going to recuse myself from the situation and I'm I'm not going to do this, right? And I, I I feel like there could be situations like that, or just be overt about it. Like I I wouldn't even have a problem if he's like, look, he's my brother. Like clearly, I'm in the camp for this guy. So like like yeah. take it or leave it. I, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's it's I I, I tend to throw up my hands uh, uh, with, with with stuff like this because I have such a low opinion of television news to begin with that yeah. it's like 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 oh like like you. You're telling me that in in the Moss Eisley Cantina they were also selling crack? Like, oh <laughs> damn! Like uh, now now it's all falling apart for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so it's like no. That's, at that's the a, point a, that he was at the point that he was covering him, I'm like, that's a problem. If if I were doing that at a newspaper, if I were a reporter at a newspaper, and my brother was in politics and I was actively breaking news and covering things within his campaign, that would be a problem. Now there's a, a nuanced question of like, okay, well, if I knew something, could I pass it on to another reporter, which is, is a, a, a deeper question, but still the fact that he was covering him, the fact that he was doing active publicity for him was that's, that's everyone's got to go. Like yeah. everyone's got to go. The fact that it blew up in their face, everyone's got to go yesterday. The fact that we've now seen that he was actively participating in 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 the the war room for all of this. It's everyone had to go two months ago. What are you doing? And the, I think that they're probably just going to hunker down and and try to survive it. Yeah, I think that's probably it. I mean, if 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 I were Cuomo and uh, uh, either Cuomo. And, and, yeah. uh, like, like I, I don't, I don't see them as follow the sword type guys. Uh, and so no. they'll, they'll probably just hunker down and all that stuff. It'll probably work. Yeah. I mean, you raise a good point too. Uh, I, I don't having, how about this? Having worked in cable television amidst the sea of talking heads, there are a lot of very good, smart people in cable television who are never going to be able to reach the full potential of their veracity as thinkers 
by virtue of the medium that they're in. Tel- television yeah. by itself, television is a medium that is best at communicating conflict, drama, and personality. It is not one which is good at communicating ideas. And most people are selling something. And I don't mean that in a mercenary sense. But what I mean is like, um, what, are, what are you buying from Justin's show? What are you buying from Heaton's show? Like, uh, I, I, I won't speak for you, but in my case, like if you're listening to The Political Orphanage, you're, you're, you're listening to nonpartisan analysis. You're, you're listening to somebody yeah. trying very hard to be earnest and, and not get sucked into the red team, blue team thing, right? That's what I'm selling, right? And like a lot of the time with cable television news, what you're selling is conflict, super selling, affirming your worldview back to you. Like, like tune yep. in here and we will absolutely confirm to you that you are absolutely right. You're even more right than you thought you were. And the team you hate, yeah. they're even worse than you thought you were. And we're going to sell yeah. rage and we're going to sell legs. Legs, rage, and 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 confirmation bias, and, or, and, or the and, business and, and gold, <laughs> and gold. Yeah, and so it's like that's that's why I don't like. Yeah, I I, I think that in terms of of the mediums we've described, I, I think the the uh, kind of the, the nature of television is one which makes it pretty schlubby to begin with. That's got to be our when 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 we team up and and write our thinly veiled fictional account of <laughs> of television uh, uh c- cable news media we just need the, the title is legs rage and gold <laughs> legs rage and gold great album title good uh yeah good 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 name for our forthcoming biopic film uh yeah that sounds fantastic all right final final question apropos of nothing okay. True or false, the majority of 24-hour cable news anchors, if they were given the choice to switch professions immediately and become actors, they would take it. True. That's all I yeah, need. I, I didn't have to think about that one hard at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I. you know what? There were- I They will don't say, care about it. They don't care about journalism. No, like they, they they don't, and I don't blame here, them. Here's, they have big heads that look good on television, yeah. and they are charismatic. They're all charismatic and charming people in, in, in their own ways, and, and yeah. they would like to be actors. Yes, I, yes, a hundred, it's, it's, it's show business. It's entertainment. There are some good people there. I felt bad. There's actually, I don't recall her name off the top of my head, but there was a- um, there, there was a lady at Fox Business that was there when I was there. She left before I left uh, that I had a big crush on. She I mean, she was married. This was a, a harmless crush. This wasn't, but yeah. I, just, I'd see no. her in swoon. And I tried to get her on our show one time to discuss some particular topic. And she she turned it down uh, very politely and went, um, you know, I, I, I as a journalist, I really can't weigh in on this with my opinion. I, like, if you want to bring me on, I can tell you what's happening. But I can, I was yeah. like, wow, that was rare. <laughs> like, like I, it, I, mean, I, 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 I mean, I can only imagine fully to messing at that point is Andrew yeah, Heaton. Yeah, I, yeah, no. At that point, I was like, okay, if it doesn't work out with uh, what's his name, <laughs> the Marine, uh, yeah. the Marine you're dating. Um, I, no, I, I think like look at him. So like, I worked out the same hall as Geraldo Rivera. Like, like yeah. Geraldo, he had the quarter office. Like, I would pass him, and like, like it had good interactions with Geraldo. Uh, incidentally, I didn't have any bad experiences with the guy, other than the fact that he he never invited me into his office pantsless to have tequila, although he did with all of the personal assistants for John Stossel, who were usually 24-year-old oh. girls. Uh, and he never invited me in there. But, you know, all the same, he was a nice guy. But you look at Geraldo and you're like, all right, if Geraldo wasn't doing this, Geraldo yeah. would be doing a reality show. He would be, he'd be hosting a show about aliens for the Discovery Channel. Like, he wants to yes. be on TV. He likes doing yeah. that. I think 
then you look at like, like I, I don't know the CNN landscape. I know the Fox landscape better, right? But, and, and again, there's very smart people there. I'm not saying that, I, I, this, isn't a, this isn't a blanket statement, mind you, but it's a common phenomenon to look at the people that are on television and go, huh, model, former pro wrestler, former mm-hmm. baseball player, super mm-hmm. high testosterone Wall Street guy, mm-hmm. um, two or three super hot people that went to journalism school because that's where the hot people went, possibly. And yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I think that they would all rather be movie stars and television or and, and television actors if they had their chance. Sure. There's like, there's, you remember, you remember uh, Scaramoochie? What was his name? The, the Mooch? Scaramoochie, yeah, yeah. The two weeks uh, uh, press secretary. He, he, he is the unit by which we can, we can uh, judge the length of, of uh, lifespans of the Trump administration. One, one Mooch. Yes. Is two, one two Mooch. Weeks. Yeah, like like he was like a great example. He's he's a high testosterone Wall Street dude that kind of like elbowed his way on a television, and he paid like I think he gave like a hundred thousand dollars to some film that, so he could have a bit role in it because clearly yeah. he wanted to become an actor, and and it didn't yeah. work out, and he ended up doing the Trump administration for a fortnight. I don't know what he's up to now, but yes, anyway, you're right. Uh, cameo is the answer to that. Uh, you can get you can get a cameo from from the mooch. And and now I know what I'm getting. Andrew Heaton for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Heaton, uh, uh, political orphanage. What you got coming up? Uh, let's see here. Last week, I had a great one on war, which was really, really fun. I, I really liked Margaret McMillan. Um, I've got actually inspired from our conversation, Justin. Um, I've got an episode. I think it's going to come out this week um, on economic development, which is to say me ranting about stadium subsidies. I got really fired gotcha. up about that. Yes. You, you, so much, uh, yeah, much, much, much like when you were talking about uh, on, on, on the political triad episode yes. that came no, out that, last week. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. The, the yeah, political yeah, yeah. triad with you, you, me and, and Brainy. Uh, I yeah. contacted the head of a think tank about economic development. I told him we were going to talk for 45 minutes. I think we talked for an hour and 20 minutes and my <laughs> blood pressure is so high by the end of it that I had to, I had to conclude the interview to go punch a brick wall and shout yeah. out like witticisms from Friedrich Hayek or something. I was so pissed off. <laughs> but if, if you uh, if you if you like economics and policy and you want to hear me get mad about billionaires taking your money and, and uh, squandering on other stuff through taxes, that's coming up. All right, go ahead and check it out. Political Orphanage. Thank you for your perspective, good sir. Pleasure to be here. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and recorded by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you want to say thank you to our boy, Andrew Heaton, you can do so at px3guest.com. Email the program, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, px3tweets. Catch my live streams on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at px3live.com. Share this podcast with your friends and family, px3podcast.com. And if it's the holiday season, you might want to get some politics merch. Do that. Support the show at politicsmerch.com. If you would like to bless me with a one-time holiday donation, you can do so. PayPal.me slash payjury. On Venmo, it is justin-young-20. And on our Cash app, it is px3cash. If you want to slide on down my metaphorical chimney and deliver a gift at any time, 
this season or throughout the year. It is P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, the only way that you can get our bonus content is to download your private RSS feed from TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news we miss on our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets you all that and your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Idris Arzlandi and DJ Katie Mack, Neemeister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, Dakin Sayanile, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Pete Spicery, 70s TV salesman or spy, D, really? And Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please, .com Junkie, DP4 Bongo, Jewish Lives Matter, 100 Mile Runner, Staff Sergeant Poopers, Double K Ranch, Pop Gold, Ye Old Pinball Shop, John Snuffy's Off Route 44, Super Zoomy, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Richard, D. Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle Age, Mike, The Gen, Will, J. Pink, and Andrew. You want to join their ranks? Only one way to do it. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Back at it again. With another show on Friday. We will see you there. Till next time. Your old pal Justin Robert Young reminding you that some shows, well, they talk about politics and, and others discuss politics and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh! Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.